Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined once again by Bethany Maddox-Sands from Australia as she talks to us about what her time in quarantine has been like, how she thinks all of these players are going to react to these past two weeks, how it may influence their play, what changes maybe professional tennis needs to make to adapt to the reality of 2021. It's a fascinating conversation, and whenever we have B-Dog on the show, you know we are going to have fun. So very excited for all of you to hear today's conversation. Now, if you are listening to this interview in podcast form, know that you can enjoy both mine and B-Dog's smiling faces on our YouTube channel. We recorded this interview via Zoom as well. If you are watching this on YouTube, you already get to see that. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with the one and only Bethany Maddox-Sands. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Joining us on the podcast again, she is a nine-time Grand Slam champion, Olympic gold medalist, returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows, hosts of oh so many media shows throughout the <laughs> tennis universe. It's Bethany Maddox-Sands. B-Dog, welcome back. You look like you are glowing from some Australian sunshine. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, the two days of sunshine has been amazing, let me tell you. I'm just glad I'm not sunburned yet. So, uh, But yeah, what a, what a wild uh, four. 14 days getting here. I mean, we I was one of the players in that hard lockdown. We got that email as soon as we landed. Well, I should say after we took our first test, went to the hotel, we, got, we woke up to that email saying <laughs> we couldn't go out of our rooms. I mean, and it honestly, uh, and I'll be honest, like we, I think it took every single player a little while to sort of wrap their mind around it and to, I mean, there's nothing you can do. So you had to figure out what your daily schedule was going to be. You had to get past the fact that you were going to compete two days after getting out of quarantine, after not playing tennis, not moving more than three steps uh, for 14 days. So I think it was really, 
you know, every player that came down here was was okay with the the restrict. I mean, it was pretty restricted anyways. We were only going to be allowed five hours to practice to train. But for all of us that decided to come, we all thought that was enough for us to be prepared for, to give ourselves a good chance for Australian Open and the first tournament. So I think that kind of came as a as a big shock that we all it was. I think it was seventy two players were, were how many that ended up staying in the hard lockdown. Um, so and then we got out midnight. What was it? Midnight on Saturday, midnight Friday night, and we like eleven fifty nine. Like we all have our bags <laughs> packed. We're by the door. We're in the hallway. And let me tell you, the whole ride to my Airbnb is like the windows were down. My head was outside the window. It just I, was, I didn't even care if it was raining. Didn't matter. Um, so it, it's it's been quite the adventure. But uh, like you said, I felt like I jumped right back into t- Tennis United. I was doing the AO Countdown show uh, with Todd Woodbridge, and we had a blast. Talked to a few players in quarantine. We had a actually we had a few player uh, WhatsApp chats going. I'll say the first one was event session. We all had to like get it out, and then we like we so we had to separate from that because it got a little heavy. And then uh, after we got every all the frustrations out. Uh, we had a few good WhatsApp chats amongst the players that were state inspired. I was I was actually chatting with Ali Risk and Christina McHale all day long. We had a group we had a group chat going on. Dan- Danielle Collins, I I think I talked to her for two hours every night, and um, you know, and so it was just you know all the other players that we were all going through the same thing, and uh, you know, some of us were getting out for a little bit, others weren't, and that's we just had to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure for you it helps that you have husband, chef, and human sit-up <laughs> machine, Justin, uh, standing right there uh, with you as well. Uh, Justin, of course, and I got to see some of those videos. I mean, we'll get into them in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I was, I was going to ask you if you saw the the killer couple. Workout. Yeah, I was letting you get through the media answer in the first question. I was going to say we'll get to the fun stuff a little bit later because <laughs> I, you know we got to get to the serious questions first. People have Wait, things they want to hear serious? about. Yeah, no, okay. relatively serious because. You know, you talk about that midnight practice session, and I apologize to our listeners for regaling them with another one of my club tennis tales, but our club tennis team practiced from 10 p.m. to midnight in college, which is... I'm going to swear it was awesome because it's like it's late in the night and you know you're taking a break from studying or doing whatever it is you're doing and you get to go hit and there's a goofiness in the air and a looseness and you guys all got to do that midnight practice session I just have to imagine (laughs) there was a you know some sort of energy in the atmosphere where it had to have been one of the more joyful hitting sessions just on the grounds you feel it in the air Listen, listen, I'm going to be honest. I had the option to play. So we got out at midnight and Australian Open was was keeping the courts open the whole night. So if you want to practice at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you could. I thought about it and it was very tempting to run out there and be like, I'm free. I'm going to just practice for two hours, move around. I honestly, I didn't want to my sleep uh, (laughs) schedule. That was too important to me. So I was like, I'm going to go home. We actually talked about it too. I talked about this with Christina. I talked about it with Allie because they were like, are you practicing? And you, you know, you did see some players take advantage of that. I think it was great that Australian open uh, stayed open, had the lights on for players that wanted to do that. But for me, I got to my Airbnb. I got a good night's sleep. I woke up the next morning and I hit twice the next day. So I, <laughs> but I will say this, 
night practices and night matches, like I love, like I live for night matches. Mm-hmm. Australian Open has some of the best night matches and uh, US Open. I mean, seriously, both those tournaments, I have amazing memories of playing under the lights. So I'm I'm with you on that, on the on the night practices. I just couldn't, after 14 days being locked down, like yeah. to try and go practice at 2 a.m., I, I was like, I got to, I gotta manage my emotions right now first. I gotta start out slow. Like I had to, I had to control myself. I had to start out slow. The first it's... practice was super easy up the middle. Even though I felt pretty good, you're still not used to like the depth perception, the movement, the recovery, all of that. So you know, I wanted to take all that into consideration because I was playing a match uh, a couple days later. I mean, I'm playing on Wednesday, so I, I feel like if I would have had more time, I maybe would have done that early morning practice session but for me it was just kind of important to maintain the the routine a little bit of when I would actually be playing mm-hmm. and you talk <laughs> about getting back on the court I know you're not someone who spends 13 hours on the court anymore in your career for a practice session that's just you don't ha- you don't need to do that when you're BMS B-Dog you're this good nine grand slams <laughs> I know where that backhand's going don't worry about it folks <laughs> but, I love it I love how you say that I mean I am I'm confident listen I'm not gonna lose the hands to feel yeah. uh but it's so I'm I'm glad I'm, I'm no, glad you said that no, the I don't saddest the cocky. saddest thing is I feel the same way at my level. So it's like, come on. Like, not, if I'm playing you, I'm like, yeah, I'm f***ed. But if I'm playing someone who's like a local schmo, like, I'm like, nah, I'll be okay. I'm not too worried about this. Anyways, the point being, the one thing I did suffer, and again, we hosted a Crack Rackets tournament this summer, which is a really cool thing we got to do. But unfortunately, there were some back uh, backdraw withdrawals, and the tournament was the weekend of my birthday. And so Dalton says, hey, I have a birthday gift for you, Alex. And I'm like, oh, what could it possibly be? And he's like, do you want to go play this backdraw match? And I was like, do I want to play a backdraw match? Like, absolutely, I want to play a backdraw match. (laughs) And so I haven't played a match, I don't know, two presidents ago, something like that. It's been a while. Just to put it in perspective, and okay. I did, and it was a blast. And I, you know, I'm, you see this neckline, I'm still in pretty good shape. And like <laughs> that being said, I do. You got, you got a good jawline there. Thank you. I, I see it. That and the brows are the redeeming features. But you know, we're going through the match, and we are we are off track here. I, we'll have fun. I told you, we'll have fun from the start. But um. <laughs> And I, this is supposed I, to be the serious question. Yeah, too. the serious question is: I felt a blister on my toe. I like, I felt my toe in pain, and I was like, "Oh, this doesn't feel good." But whatever. And then I'm going for a forehand, and I feel a pop, and I was like, "That was the blister." And this was all in the course of a match. And you know, I am not a world class athlete. You are. You push your body in ways far past anything I am capable of and so I you know that first day the blisters the toes the sore hamstrings all of those things how real is that and are you still feeling it three days in yeah so if you if that was a long setup for the question I apologize no I I listen I appreciate the color commentary I really do I like I like stories actually so but I will say I, I was keeping up with my fitness in the room. And again, you can only do so much, but I had a racket in my hand. I was kind of doing some volleys against the wall. And I will say that the volleys against the wall actually help a lot with the forearm soreness. There's been times where I've been in great shape, but if I haven't picked up a racket and actually made contact with a ball, like my, I could feel amazing and my forearms just like this. And I got to, you know, I got to take it easy. So blisters, I was, I was managing that a little bit. Same thing with the feet. I mean, I'm, taking a couple steps on the carpet in my room that's different than 
three or four steps and running to the net on hard court. So I think all of that w was one of the reasons why I took it a little bit slow because again, like even if you feel great, a blister can take you down. It's like, it's no, it's no joke. If it's in the wrong place and you just can't tape it or pad it enough, like it's enough to uh, prevent you from playing. Same thing on your feet. And I've, I've actually struggled with blisters on my hands and my feet for a while. So that was something that I really uh, kept in the back of my mind with like how I wanted to, manage my practices while coming back but in all honesty like we had some great we actually had some great workouts in the room i mean we really kept um the heart rate up we did intervals we kept it entertaining justin worked out so we, we both came out of this in pretty good shape and you know again it's 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 a big mental push as well you really have to get past the fact of what you can control and what you can't um you know, we, I, I feel like everybody in the hard quarantine was working on their visualizing skills. Uh, you know, you barely had enough space in some, some of the rooms, some players had bigger rooms, but other players, a normal room. It, I mean, you couldn't hit a serve full. You had to kind of like choke up on the, on the grip. So I think just a couple of those things were, was what I really wanted to focus on once I got back out on the court. And then again, managing the time uh, with, are my hamstrings sore, you know, something like, if I haven't hit serves in a while, you're going to be landing on that left foot. So how does that calf feel? How does that hamstring feel? How does that glute feel? And, and just kind of managing what I know will get sore after not playing tennis for a couple weeks. But in all fairness, I think I have a little bit of advantage. If I want to say that is I've, I've been out with some injuries. Like I'm, I'm used to not playing a lot and then coming back and then playing matches pretty quick. So I feel like my mental approach um, is helping me in, in this moment, but I think it's gonna come down to a lot of players are gonna have to sort of let go of not feeling amazing out there. Um, and that's, I think the player that's gonna do that the best is the one that will, will do well, especially in this first week. I mean, again, give everybody a week uh, playing some points and out there and everyone will get it back pretty quick. But I think the first few matches, it's really going to come down to who can let some maybe silly mistakes that you wouldn't normally make um, kind of slide off a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you beat me to my next question. That's such an interesting comparison. <laughs> to read your mind. Yeah, you, we have that synergy, B-Dog. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I'm glad you're talking about volleying against the wall. I'm glad you now refer to Justin's abs as the wall. That's good to hear. <laughs> that means you guys are in a healthy place right now <laughs> in a relationship. So, yeah. Yes, help, exactly. Help. Yeah, that, that's always good to hear. And again, I want to talk about the fitness, but there are a lot of different things here. Uh, you compare this quarantine well you know it's not a direct comparison but the two weeks of just solitary confinement for lack of a better term uh, it's, it's a little harsh it's a little harsh but yeah. lack of a better I, term um yeah. to having an injury to you know that fact and you have that sort of perspective where you've had two weeks where for reasons outside of your control you can't be on the tennis court and so adapting in that moment how helpful was that experience i mean you kind of referred to it there but i feel like the veterans anyone who's had an injury who's you know, maintain their fitness while not being able to hit tennis balls. If you've done that before, you do have an inherent advantage right now, right? I, definitely. I, I think uh, you do. I mean, I'll be honest, my knee injury, I couldn't bend my knee for six weeks. So I couldn't, I was in a place for probably the first two weeks. I needed help to get out of my bed. Um, and I could do a lot more in quarantine than that. So, you know, granted I couldn't go outside. So there were other obstacles and challenges to be faced. You know, I didn't, my window didn't open, so I didn't get any fresh air or anything like that. But 
Um, but again, it is all, it's all perspective. And if, uh, and on a serious note, it was interesting because I was actually, uh, I love reading quotes in the morning. It's a big, it's, it's part of how I st start my mornings to get my energy up. And a lot of, uh, there were a couple Anne Frank, uh, quotes that came up and it was really, you know, my, in, in, if I look at it in that capacity, like my scenario is not even comparable to other, like, and, and. And again, it's not to feel guilty or bad that maybe I'm feeling challenged in this and, you know, I'm still staying at the Hyatt, but it's just, you know, I'm, I'm down here for, you know, to get ready to play professional tennis at the best level possible. And there, and, and you have to like all, you have all these kind of conflicting thoughts. And even though I have been through similar scenarios, which I think are helpful, it was something new that I had to redirect my energy and uh, you know i had a great routine in the morning where i just went through like i have a morning i give myself an hour where i do i journal i meditate i do things like that and it really i found it helpful to sort of keep my perspective um going in the right direction and keeping my my energy up but i yeah i mean i'm definitely pulling from some of my past experiences of being out of not being able to practice a lot before i go play a match um i think you know, the challenge for me was this is this is probably the first time where I feel physically great and then I couldn't go play. Usually the only reason I'm not playing tennis or I'm not competing in a tournament or I'm not practicing is because something was bothering me and then I need to either rehab, recover, whatever. So, you know, it's still it's still a different experience. But, you know, in the end, you know, we uh, we get to choose our approach and our reactions and our attitude. And I had to you know, do a good mirror talk in our bathroom. <laughs> oh, I saw, I, I saw the steam bikes. That's an ideal. I mean, come on. That's, a, that's pretty It's brilliant. Idea. It's brilliant. All right. We can't hold back any longer. I, we got to talk about the fitness, and then I'll get back to a serious question. I, even before, because the, you know, it's unfair. There's always who are the quarantine content MVPs, and I don't think you get judged in the realm of everyone else because you're a professional. Like, you're not a mere mortal. <laughs> you're a professional Yeah, now. you're a B-dog. You get the big gigs. Australia. <laughs> An open countdown and tennis united come on you like people expect excellence from you and that's what you get but maybe the nugget of all of the nuggets dropped in all of your videos the way justin folds the blankets before he puts all of the beds up and like it's it's a speed round of photos right but the meticulous fold he goes like corner 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 then he folds it over i it's you're with him for two weeks and you're trapped in, i just i'm in awe Listen, so we're talking about how impressed we are with how you folded the sheets, like getting re getting our room set up. Like, first of all, Justin is a little OCD. So that's <laughs> like, that's real life. That's, we didn't, he didn't just do that because he knew we were videoing. Like, that's real life. Like, the, like, the, how our room was organized, like, that's, like, Justin is this person. And now I have become like this, our closet is color coordinated. It's like sleeve lengths and everything. And, <laughs> It's honestly in, in, in this situation, I think it was really helpful because if you're not on top of that, it could like get out of hand pretty quick. Like you just have a couple of Uber Eats deliveries, you have a couple <laughs> extra bags here and you're like, then you're wearing pajamas, you can't find dirt laundry and it's just, so, so Justin, he, like he actually that takes the time to fold everything, put it all away. And that was one of the things we talked about uh, once we knew we were going to be in hard quarantine was this daily schedule, because I think 
one of the things that kept our spirits high was that we kind of transformed the room. Like once we put mm -hmm. the beds up and everything, it was a fitness studio. Like it I was, was in really workout cool. clothes and like I, to, in my mind, I was in a different place and I had a different mental approach in that moment. And then once we were done with fitness, like everything got put away, like the bed got folded and things like that. So you just had this kind of fresh feeling all the time, which is something that I could have, uh, that I would say would easily get lost if you weren't on top of that. But the other thing too, is like, we actually had a daily schedule because again, if you're in a room 24 seven, you could wake up whenever you want. You could eat whenever you want. Like you could easily lose track of your days. And I was like, no, like we're going to have, like, this is when the curtains are opening in the morning. This is when we're going to work out. This is when our daily Australian open zoom meeting is. This is what I want to do for tennis. This is our Netflix time. And we just categorized that every day. And it was actually really helpful because I'll be honest, Justin and I have opposite like daily life <laughs> schedules. Justin's a night person. He'll stay up till 3 a.m. And he'll be pr productive till 3 a.m. I'm like, no, I need my beauty sleep. I need at least eight hours. Lights go off at 10, but, and I need lights to go off. I'm not one of these people that can have a TV on music in the background and like fall asleep. Like it needs to, there needs to be like lights dimmed, like quiet, nice music, do my routine and then I'll crash. So we kind of had to come to this happy medium where it's like, all right, we're going to, this is how late, like we can stay up. Uh, this is when I'm going to get up. This is what I want to do in the day. And I think that was really helpful too. But that was, that's a veteran move. I feel like from being married for as long as we were, but I, that was, that was probably the biggest key to the 14 days. No, I swear to God, I put on jeans this weekend for the first time in three months. <laughs> like it was, and I would say we why. To a restaurant last night oh. for the first time in a while. Like I was dressed up. I was like super pumped. I was yeah. way overdressed. It was worth it though. Right. It's you're like, 100%. well, I, the thing is, I don't want you know. Again, I guess I wasn't quarantining. I'm I'm keeping it clean. Don't worry. It was for non malicious <laughs> intentions for everyone out there. I you know I kept it. You know. I, I, anyways, anyways, anyways. My mom listens I mean, to the could, podcast. Otherwise, I'd get into it. Yeah. You can do it. I would dress. I was about to start dress. If we had to be in quarantine much longer, I was about to start dressing up for our dinners in quarantine. Yeah. So no, this jacket I wear is dressing up for me. I'm like I'm fancy right now. I'm wearing my formal jacket. You are, Come on. You are kind of fancy. Uh, but you're ca keeping it casual with the cap. Well, that's because I don't want you to see the hair. Uh, anyways, anyways, <laughs> um, but. So you talk about creating the new environment, and that is a veteran move. But I'm also curious because the New York quarantine wasn't exactly like this. It's not a direct comparison. There was overseas travel, Australia, a little bit more strict to say the least than uh, the rules that were in place in New York. But were there any tips you picked up there that you think helped you for this time? You talked about creating the new gym and doing that. I have to imagine round two of quarantine, yes, a little bit more extreme, but were you at least somewhat more prepared? A hundred percent. I'll be honest. The New York bubble crushed me a little bit. I, and I think it was more because it was, it was the unknown. It's not that anyone did a bad, poor job. It's just, it was so different from how us open is normally. And it's so it, and I felt like in this moment, COVID sort of took away a lot of what I enjoy about being a professional tennis player. Like we get to travel the world, we get to explore cities, we get to play in front of fans. And so much of that, it like was, I, and, and I, I think it took me to realize like in these bubbles that that was a big part of why I love playing professional tennis. And I'm, you know, of course I love practicing and playing, but I could practice at home. I could stay in Phoenix. And like, if I just really love, you know, hitting balls back and forth, like 
I, I have some amazing courts in Scottsdale <laughs> and in Phoenix that I would, I would love to just chill there. But so I think the U S open bubble and the French open bubble sort of helped me realize how important this daily schedule was and finding things to do that will keep your energy up because when I, I kind of went into the Cincinnati bubble a little, little cold. And although we could go outside there, which was, which was actually really nice. That was a big, I think that's a big difference. That was, that's what made it really tough uh, here in Australia. I think if we could have even had a little bit of time outside, I mean, even 30 minutes, something I think that would have made a big difference, but again, it was out of our control, but I definitely think the bubbles from last year, helped me be a little more organized coming into Australia. And I'll be honest, in December, I had to be honest with myself if I was, because if I was going to go, I had to be willing to accept that this is like, it's this, you're going to be quarantined. You're going to be in a bubble. Like you have to go. So if you're going to decide to go, like you're going to figure it out or don't go, don't play. If, you, if it's going to be overwhelming, if it's going to take away the joy and the passion of playing, then then don't go. So I, I kind of had that conversation with myself and with Justin and with my team, like before I went, because there were a few times where I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to go. Actually, I love tennis. And I think, you know, a big plus for Australia was the light at the end, the end of the tunnel was we would be out and we would be in a pretty normal environment and we'd be playing in front of fans. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give the Australian open bubble, like some good energy uh, they almost beat me with that hard, <laughs> that email about the hard quarantine, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, these, it was, it's been the most extreme bubble, uh, so far. Uh, and in all honesty, I think it's been the, if we really want to talk about safest, um, the, I, it, it really, I mean, I, I think if you want to create a real bubble, you almost have to do it this way. You know, mm -hmm. there was still. I think, you know, I don't want to throw any other tournaments under the bus, but I mean, this is how you have to manage it. If you really want no contact between people and between if, if trust me, I learned more about viral shedding and incubation <laughs> periods, like on all these Zoom calls with Craig Tiley and the health administration that I think I've ever, like, I, damn, like, I'm just, I think that was my word, vocab word of the year so far is, incubation and viral shedding so uh, yeah, that's what that's, i was like, doing this weekend by the way in those genes i was incubating and viral shedding in case you're curious but no that i i completely understand and it brings up a you know to go from that to a serious question but uh, you look at and there has been a release of the schedule moving forward hopefully there will be you know some sort of facsimile to the south american swing there will be some north american tournaments thrown in some european tournaments thrown in as well and you know obviously that's going to involve a lot of traveling it's going to involve a lot of going from site to site minimal bubbleism ing bubbling bubbling let's go with bubbling uh of the players as there are in australia and it, you know, you talk about what is the 2021 season going to look like? Is the money there to do this? I don't know. But would it, it just from a player's perspective, I feel like three months or two months or just like six weeks of events in one location, it feels like an obvious solution, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, yes. Mm -hmm. And when we talk, listen, when we talk about professional tennis and how it's 
just what it is. I mean, we, we travel week in and week out. And if you're thinking about safety and health, there is so much out of our control right now. At, there will be players that are going to be unlucky almost every single week. Like we, we have to take public transport. We, we don't all, we are not all getting on from the bubble here in Australia in a charter flight to go to our next tournament, which is, could be Dubai. I think the men have Rotterdam, Doha, where, wherever, like we all get on public transportation and we're basically going like this. Like we could be having our masks. We can do everything. We're basically going like this, hoping that like when we get to the hotel, that we're going to be good. And, you know, obviously, again, learning more about this incubation process that sometimes symptoms don't come up for up to 14 days. And I mean, that's, it's almost impossible to say that, how can you reduce the risk? Like you have to take away the traveling a little bit. And I've said this to my peers and I've, I've talked with tournament directors about creating a bubble scenario. Like now that, now that we're all in Australia, if Australia, if they wanted to put together a string of events here for the next three months, sign me up. Like I already did 14 days hard quarantine. Like we're already all here. We're actually out of a bubble. We're, we're technically good. We can even travel all around Australia and we're good because the country in itself is, is the island is, is safe. So trust me that I brought that conversation up. I just find that tennis sometimes struggles to make changes pretty quick. And in this environment, it would require us to really think outside the box um, and be different than what we've been in the past. Again, we're, we're trying, we're, we're trying to hope that things will die down or maybe the vaccine will have something to do, something not to do, but you know, then you hear news of a new strain and, and things like that. And it's like, France, you know, I've, other countries in Europe are putting uh, 14 day quarantines, seven day quarantines, 10 day quarantines. Like if we're going to a tournament for a week, like how are we supposed to go stay in a room for seven days, go play one event and then what, go to the next place and quarantine more there? Like the, it, the system in right now, as it is, is actually unsustainable. Like, mm -hmm. and if tournaments aren't selling tickets for fans like we just have to come together and find a better solution and i think there is like i think we can dive into how can we stream better how can we connect with fans more uh through digital through social media like can we create some red zone scenarios where you can see more matches like do we can we you know we don't want to crush the tournaments that we can't travel to. Like how can we work with these tournaments to, you know, help those sponsors, even though we're in Australia, is it about putting like Doha at the back of the court, even though we're in Adelaide, uh, you know, where I, I just think some of these ideas got to be tossed around because it's not, I, I think everyone's hoping that, I don't know that we're, we're just kind of winging it right now. And it's not, it's not anyone's fault. It's not even the tours. It's not like they're not organized enough. It's like, when you're running into these governments and health restrictions like that, that goes above sports. Like that doesn't matter what protocols we have in place. Like, and I'm, so I'm with you there. I really think tennis has to come up with a scenario where we can travel, even if it's at the end of the day, if we all had to quarantine hard for 14 days, let's say everyone had to do that, but we knew we had a few months of tournament somewhere. I think you would find most people would do that. They'd be okay with that. It's, it's less risky than traveling week to week. I mean, I'm telling you, like when I'm looking at, like as soon as I leave here, I'm out of a bubble. My yeah. 14 days is as like, I have 15 negative tests in a row. 
That yeah. goes out the window because I got to jump on a plane and I got to go to Dubai. And then I got to jump on another plane. I got to go to Doha. And I got to jump on another plane. You go to Moscow. And then we go, I mean, where, you know, it's, and it's Spain, France, Italy. And as much as I, and that's the thing, like, I love traveling. I love these tournaments and I love going to all these cities. But in the temperature right now, I just think the tenant, the structure of tennis is, is unsustainable. And we have to, like, we have to have that conversation. Yeah. No, and I, 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 and I agree. I, and honestly, like, I think some players are sort of, it hit home a little bit, especially for the players that did hard quarantine here in Australia. Cause we're all kind of thinking is this is the beginning of the year. Are we doing this all the way through November? Like mm-hmm. we are, we already have a pretty grinder of a season. I mean, yeah. it's even on in normal years, we would talk about the travel and how much it can wear you down if you're not careful. And we go from January and November, a couple weeks off and then back at it. And it's, now you add all these COVID protocols and it's, you have a lot of players, I think, rethinking how many tournaments they can play. I think you have some players even considering taking time off. Like, and, mm-hmm. and then you have some players that are also like want to, are concerned for their health. And even, even though we might not be in that demographic where we would uh, have some serious side effects, but I, you know, there's still players that are, that are concerned about that in general as well and not just not only just their careers so i think i I just think we have to have these discussions and Mm -hmm. i really hope that the tours and obviously i'm i'm close with steve simon and you know i've been in the chats with craig tiley and australian open and even the us open the usta and i just think we all got to come together and have some of these sort of outside the box conversations if you will to figure out how we can keep tennis um amazing yeah no and keep and keep and keep players wanting to play like you Mm -hmm. don't you also don't want the scenario where it's a grind for the players and we're all just like all right we get we finally got to the court (laughs) like you know we want Mm -hmm. like we're as as an athlete like we want to be fresh and like pumped and like all right match day like we're all ready to go and that's how you're going to get your best performance and ultimately the fans will have the best entertainment with that mentality too so we you know forget like just creating happiness you know along the way it's it's i so it's a lot of things so i really and that was a really long answer to that but i think it's a really important question because you know i you know i'm feeling great i want to play tennis i love playing tennis but i've even thought about how much I want to travel this year to to play. Mm-hmm. No, first of all, this is why you have an open spot on this podcast always because <laughs> all of those things I would echo and I agree. And the problem is, and again, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to get myself in trouble because sometimes you say things and you do hear about them. There are just a lot of entities in tennis, right? There's the ATP, the WTA, Tennis Australia, the USTA, the French Tennis Federation, the LTA, and those are just like the big, 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 big ones. That doesn't get into agencies and individual tournaments and individual players who all have different desires of what they want from the season. And of course, it becomes very difficult. And, you know, we wanted to do something and it's not even at the ATP right where you're talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about college tennis where respectfully college tennis fans who are listening to this, it's not millions of fans. You know, it's in the thousands of fans. And yet you go to one of these schools and you say, hey, we'd like to use your broadcast for our Crack Rackets Red Zone. And they're like, well, if there are subscriptions or any advertisements on it, no, you can't. Because obviously if there's money to be made, we need to be the ones making it. And it's just like, well, 
respectfully f- you then like then we're in trouble because this is why this sort of thing doesn't happen and by the way let this is where, yeah, no, this out. is where i get in trouble because i hope i didn't let call out any specific school there yeah no I'm, I'm a big fan of all of the schools and a lot of them have called since and said yes and anyways um that was a humble brag there you see i worked in the humble brag as well yeah, no, that's good. hey i appreciate it I do I what like i gotta confidence. do yeah but uh, thank you and you like it when you point it out as well that's half the battle yeah. but um yeah. you know it, it there are just so many competing entities and so if you said we have to do six weeks in north america well then rotterdam and again random example or barcelona is like well no like this is our part of the year but then you want to do six weeks there and it's the same thing well at some point during that six weeks a tournament was scheduled elsewhere in the world and where's our slice of the revenue and there's no central body with all due respect because the atp the wta the players everyone's a little bit different no central body distributes the revenue in tennis and you know, we're not talking revenue distribution. We have really come full circle here now. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I've gone back to my college roots. Uh, I mean, officially. Wait, listen, we're just peeling an onion back yeah. right now. Let me, let me tell you. But, so, that, but um... those are the underlying issues, right? And it's just to get any person to say, hey, six, week of, six weeks of revenue, all of it. Here's the player's share of the revenue. Here are the tournament shares of the revenue. We're going to distribute them proportionally to what you normally get during the year. All the turns would be like, no, because you say, well, Charleston gets 17%. They'd be like, we deserve 22%. And then it's just, that's what happens. And so that being said, do you think sans that, um, Maddox sans that, excuse me. Do you, <laughs> sorry, sometimes it, it's 1030 here on the East Coast. Cut me a break. It's very it. cold they in this garage. Yeah. Come to you. I my, appreciate uh, that. Uh, thank you. Again, that's why you're always invited as well. Um, so my, Maddox sans that. Do you expect the season I mean I mean it's going to carry out as normally right because these tournaments it seems like they're pretty committed to just saying again we're going to roll with it and whatever happens happens Um that's I think I think everybody wants the tournaments to go as planned and I think I think the bigger tournaments you'll see them um, doing okay. I think they'll they'll make it happen. I just think what we can't control is when governments shut down borders. Yeah. I mean, if we're not if if half your draw can't get in a country to play, then do you play the tournament? Yeah, like that's a it's problem. not it, you, then players aren't saying like, players aren't saying, oh, I don't want to play because I'm injured or I'm going to take a week off. You're having players that want to play and they they can't get there. And I just think logistically it's going to be really challenging. And I just think players are kind of going to become more aware of that because you're going to have more and more incidents where it's like, well, if this country can't get over to here and if like we need three more days, like Mm -hmm. it's, we just, I I don't think players are going to be able to manage that. I just, I, to me, logistically, the conversation of having a bubble scenario is really worth it i honestly i think like i've mentioned this topic back when indian wells got canceled last year in 2020 i said indian wells is one of our biggest tournaments if that's getting canceled we need to sort of game plan a little bit uh and strategize about how tennis is going to look for the next year or even two you know right now i mean again we're I think everyone was kind of hoping 2021 was going to be like all right we're done with 2020 <laughs> starting new and, you know, I, you know, I just, 
it's it's not it's 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 the same and i think it's only going to get more challenging maybe if this new strain hadn't come up like mm-hmm. could things have been opening up a little bit i i don't know it's hard it's hard to explain i just for me looking at it there's too many things outside our control there's you have players that i mean just think about this you have you have players that technically test positive but because of viral shedding they're it's considered non they're not contagious so they're we count that as a negative but if you don't have the funds to have like the genome testing and to, to figure out, is it viral shedding or not? That player is just technically positive because their mm-hmm. test came up positive. So they're out well, and they're quarantined, maybe away from home. So you're going to like, who knows if there's going to be scenarios like that. But I, I mean, obviously Australian open spent a lot of dollars, like having all these different tests um, and, and creating like, yes, were there some positives? Yes. But are they viral shedding and non-contagious? Yes. They've confirmed that through additional testing, but does every tournament have the funds to do that? Does the WTA and the ATP have the funds to do that week in and week out? Do these tournaments have the, have the funds, especially if they're not again, selling tickets to fans, even if it's just a few fans in, in the stadium, that's not bringing in the revenues that these tournaments need. I just think it's a great opportunity to restructure personally i i I think why right now i mean right now technically the points aren't don't technically count for our rankings i don't know how much people know about that we right now obviously because some people couldn't travel like we didn't know how the scenario was going so right now you don't lose any points you can gain points so if i made quarterfinals of australian open last year if i make it quarterfinals again this year uh, my ranking stays the same. If I lost first round, my ranking stays the same. If I made semifinals, I get additional points so I could have the chance to move up. But then, so we're talking about what, how long are we doing this ranking system? Like mm-hmm. how, because technically you can have players that don't play at all and they'll they'll keep their ranking, which I don't think they should be taken away. Like I'm not, I'm not a proponent of saying like, we need to put points on the line right now. I'm just saying it's an opportunity to test out a lot of different scenarios that we could do in tennis. Could we do more team tennis styles? Could we do more round robin styles? I mean, think about this. Mm-hmm. Let's say you go through all the testing, all the bubbles, all the travel, all the quarantines. The way tennis is set up right now, you lose, you're out. So half the draw, half the draw is doing all of that for one match. Yeah. That's not, that's, like that's just not feasible. It's not. And, yeah. and I get like we like, and that's where I just think the conversation, again, I don't have all the answers. I'm just saying, here's how I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. And that's mm-hmm. not like I, we can come up with something better, especially now if we're saying that, Hey, the points, Hey, we're kind of freezing the points a little bit in the rankings. Like that's fine. Like I'm, I'm good with that, but then let's test mm-hmm. out some other things and see if, Maybe team tennis helps us connect with fans more. Maybe we can get, let's try shortened scoring format. So maybe we can play more matches in a week or in a few weeks. And I I just think those ideas should be tossed around and tennis just loves its history. And I, I love it too. Like, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the history, but I think in this time period right now, in this temperature in the world, we have to consider some 
outside the box thinking. No, you have the opportunity to experiment and get away with it because if something doesn't work, you can say, well, it was the COVID year and we were just trying yes. something new and it didn't work. And like case in point, you talk about team tennis. You were at the Greenbrier and obviously we've talked mm-hmm. about your experience since then, but you look at the examples, Sonia Kennan, Jessica Pagula, Jennifer Brady, yourself obviously played pretty well afterwards. Men's side, you know, Taylor and Tommy and tennis and all of these guys, Jack are playing so well during the world team tennis season because they're in one location they're able to train they're able to find their rhythm again and the quality of play got better and better and then you go to the U.S. Open and all of you had success right and so you can see that's helpful right away as well and I just yeah I completely agree with you it's just look we want to see these matches played and you know what's going to minimize the risk of having players test positive is don't have them travel don't put them in this scenario to be at airports or do all these different things because not everyone is tennis australian is going to charter flights from for all the players from qualifying to the main site and you know all these different negotiations that have to take place so creativity is at a premium as always you know between the two of us but now more so than ever and of course you know the player councils they're having these discussions but They're not out loud enough because I do think fans would be receptive to it if they heard that idea. And then once fans are receptive to it, now turn and say, well, okay, what's the pie going to look like and how much of it can I get? Uh, And so that's where things become so many There's so many tennis fans out there that want to Mm -hmm. see like good tennis. They want to see professional tennis. Let's like, what a time, what an opportunity to figure out how to connect with more of them like wait you know when you look at some of like the tiebreak tens and you look at some of these shorter scoring formats that they've used in the past and how exciting it is and even at the green briar like you got singles doubles mixed doubles like i think i think that was awesome like entertainment wise mm-hmm. you got everything in a couple hours and how many different players did you get to see how many different players were on the court whose names you saw uh, on the back of their shirt like that's that's what tennis needs more of. Like we just aren't in a place where it's like, Hey, we have a three hour window and it's, you only see one match. Like we we can do better than that. Fans do want more than that. Like fans. I, I, and I think each, I think singles is its own entertainment doubles is its own entertainment mixed doubles. It's own. they're different products. They're different game styles. You have different players that are good at each one. Some are good at all of them. Some are only good at one, but it's, there's an equal amount of entertainment in all of these and I just then it comes down to marketing that way and how do we get fans seeing it and being getting excited about it I mean that's one of the reasons why I like doing TV because I feel like it's a good place to kind of bring some energy to a sport that's really I mean you've seen world-class tennis up close like they're fast they're athletic and it's like and I sometimes feel like the TV angles don't do tennis enough justice like we need to come up we need to come up and like really re fresh tennis because it's an awesome game it's given me a lot it's a game a sport you can play from when you're young till when you're old and it's and we do we have so many fans worldwide where i mean how international is tennis and i i just think it's an i really as as dramatic as as all these negative sides of this is i just think it's a massive opportunity for us to push tennis out there more and, and connect with the true tennis fans. Yeah, I know. I mean, again, 
I, I once had a we were doing a podcast interview with the Ohio State men's tennis coach and I once asked him how do you grow the appeal of the sport and it was not an answer I was expecting but he goes everyone's got to wear a size tighter clothing he goes if you look at these athletes they're incredible athletes and like men women show it off because they've all got six packs like they're all the best the body fat counts are under three percent like it, it, it's all looking really good and you know, again, he said it and I didn't. So I could just be like, yeah, without being weird. But I was like, yeah, no, he, you know, he's definitely there's there's some there's some credence to that line of thought that I agree with you. It's just be experimental. Try different things. Don't get caught up in the stuffiness of the traditions yeah. of the past just because you want to do that. Now, again, I I promised you 30 minutes. We've hit the 45 mark. I just want to I'll go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've got a rapid fire here few questions for you then we can rock and roll i promise all right rapid fire here we go yes this is a serious question every so often i like to throw them in any concern from you in general that now that a vaccine is available some players may just opt out of taking it and that that could be an issue yeah personally for me it's still a uh, you know (laughs) it's still something you choose to do or not to do and You know, there's, I mean, again, I'd have to, I'd have to look at some of the studies. I personally, like, I personally just don't, I don't get the flu shot, but I feel Mm. like my immune system has been pretty good. I'm pretty healthy. I work hard to keep my immune system healthy and, and to feel good. You know, is that some, is that going to be the answer though? Here's the thing though. Let's Mm. say the vaccine's available. You're like every, just because you have the vaccine, like if I go to another country, it doesn't mean I don't have to do quarantine. It's not exactly. really. And you guys really are pro solving? athletes. No, I agree. And it's just, I should have framed it as, do you think there will be mandatory vaccina- vaccination of players? That's what I meant. If these tournaments say we expect these players to get vaccinated, what if it becomes widely distributed? I guess that was my framing is, could that be a potential issue down the line? I'm sure. Yeah. I think everyone's having, I think, worldwide everyone is having this conversation like can we if you have vaccine will you be able to travel like things like that and i just i mean i don't know how much you've read up on the studies behind the vaccines i don't want to get too uh political with it because i think i think if you do have concerns if you feel like your health um is compromised it's definitely something that you should be first in line for uh for sure i i just think you know, is it going to give me more job opportunities to make my life easier? I don't think so. I don't think, are they going to get rid of the bubbles if everyone has vaccine, especially if like, do you, does it work the whole year? Like, do I have to get it? Like, is it, does it work for the next strain? Like, I just think there's, there's too many questions, which maybe ultimately will get answered. But I think in this next year, the vaccine is really not going to make a difference for bubble scenarios traveling right now. Cause we just don't, the world doesn't have enough handle also on the effects of it or, or anything. So I, I just, you know, long-term, is that something that people are going to conversate about? I'm sure I would have to, if it became mandatory, you know, I'd really consider You'd have to talk. Yeah, like, you have just, to think about it. No, it's it's like, the science is unclear. This is what happens. It's been nine months. It's been nine months. I agree with you. And so that's it's 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 just it comes back to the reason I ask is because you talk about 
uh, again, getting these tournaments in one location. Is there anybody who's going to govern it? Is it the WTA who's going to say it? Is it going to be these countries with the travel restrictions? I think it all kind of loops together, right? That is really, you know, again, the issue here is there's just so many different rules for so but many that, different but countries. That's where when you, when you mentioned that there's just a lot of different entities in tennis, that is one of the hangups that we get yeah. when we talk about change. Let's say the w let's even say like the wt and atp are like this is what we want to do this is what our players are saying players are all on board we still the itf you have uh all the different federations agencies each tournament is a separate event and so it's it's just a lot and i think that's sometimes what clogs the wheel of change uh, a little bit and you know what's the solution to that man like that's that's the real that's the real question how can we all come together and create this win-win scenario uh to help the players to help tennis grow and make it through this time period i mean that's that's really the question and is everybody going to be happy i doubt it um but i think again that's where i just think these conversations have to be had with everyone involved and let's figure out where, what people are thinking. I, I think right now you have some people thinking of just their event. You have some people just thinking of 2020. Then you have some people thinking like, Oh man, a couple years. Like, you know, I think it's, we got to have all these different scenarios when we're looking at like the future of tennis. We, and we still, we can't disregard 2021 season, but we have to also think about the future of tennis yeah. and, you know, making tennis a career like do we want kids growing up saying yeah like yeah i want to be a tennis player like i don't like if you had to tell if you told me i had to do, do bubbles to be a professional i don't even know like would i want to do that i don't i don't know i mean it's just there's just a lot that has to be considered and if there's not communication through all these entities it's going to be really it's going to be really challenging so that's where we got to start we got to mm -hmm. bring everybody together and I don't know. We need, maybe we need a mediator. Maybe we need, maybe need a third party. Do you see the hand like, up? Is, Do you see the hand up? I'm here. It. Mediator. Everyone, I this, sign up. Everyone. I'm volunteering. Mean, but every, yeah. here's here's the blueprint of questions that everybody everybody needs to answer going into yeah. this. Everyone gets a couple minutes to speak. Like it needs to be organized like this, or it's just going to be a chaotic Zoom call with people going on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well. That's so, half the fun, of course. No, getting anyone in a room, uh, getting a hundred people in a room to do anything, always difficult. Yeah, just sneak me into the group chat. I'll throw in snarky one-liners here and there. I promise. Perfect. Yeah, it'll humor be worth is, it. Humor is perfect, though. You you yeah. really need it because a lot of this can get pretty heavy. And mm -hmm. you know, circling back to you know why I like to post things that I do because even though there are serious things and I'm I'm aware of it and conscious of it. We all have to find uh, some humor in, in life as well. And I think it just helps kind of bring the energy to a certain place, see perspective. And I think some people maybe think that if they're not serious, that they like, we're not going to see the solution if we don't get serious about this. And it's really like you can have a, a, a fresh, relaxed attitude and still find really good solutions to to issues at hand mm -hmm. no i completely agree so with yes you. your one-liners are always yeah. and that was a great segue to end things
but it would be malpractice malpractice if I went through this without asking you about any actual tennis. So we, this can be my final question <laughs> for you. You play this week, and for the record, getting back to club tennis, full circle here, we played with a girl, no relation, on my team, though, by the name of Natasha Dabrowski, and we called her as a reference to the dude, the big Dabrowski, uh, just as yeah. a joke. Just, you know, and she would laugh, too, so it was cool. And so, obviously, you are playing with the big Dabrowski of your own in Gabby Dabrowski, and normally you maybe had a couple warm-up tournaments, at least an expended, extended month to play some sets together. Uh, obviously, that's not the case in this instance, and, you know, you guys are both vets, so you know what you do well. I feel like you can execute a double strategy just fine, but playing together, first matches here this week, how fun, how fun has that new challenge been for you? How difficult is it? What can we expect from team? I don't know. Do you guys have a nickname yet? So <laughs> we don't have a nickname yet, but we're there's a few ideas kind of lingering because we're basically winging it. So we're just like we're right now our hashtag is winging. So, uh, but like Gabby and I actually sat next to each other on the LA flight, like here. And obviously coming down here, we thought initially we were going to have those five hours of practice. I was like, wow, 14 days to practice with a new partner. Obviously Gabby and I have played against each other. We've known each other a long time. Mm -hmm. We both, we both had good results. So it, that wasn't, you know, the newness wasn't necessarily the issue, but we did have the 14 days to kind of play some points, figure out which side we're playing, mm-hmm. things like that, like which plays are our best setups. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't get any of that. So yeah. we practiced the last two days. Uh, we're actually striking the ball really well. We're, we're yeah. pretty pumped about that. Gabby's awesome. Like, I, she's a great player. Um, you know, when we talked in the off season about, about playing, we just thought our games matched up really well. We're, you know, not to... Not that it's a spoiler alert, but we're, we're going to look to be a wall at the net. She loves being aggressive. She gets close to the net. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of, of getting a match under our belt. But really, I've, I've, for me, I think being friends with my partners off the court is, is a big deal. I think that's really what makes the difference when it comes to competition. We both know how to hit the ball. We both know how to play doubles. So it's, I think it's going to be – we're going to jump into, into this quick. But I'm, I'm really excited even though we haven't technically played on the same side yet. We've only, we've only been hitting against each other. So yeah. uh, in our minds, maybe we've visualized how we're, how we're going to play. But, uh, yeah, we're just we're winging it right now, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But we'll play – I believe we'll play uh, Wednesday or Thursday our first match. This will be the clip. It'll be a fake WhatsApp, and you just, like, texting her scenarios. You're like, so 3040, you're serving. Where am I going? And it's like a speed dating round. And she's like, if she's like, you stay, you'll be like, that was the wrong answer, Gabby. I'm going. <laughs> like, just so you, let's be clear here. Uh, and so I'm it's just imagining a, a lot idea, of that. Actually, here's the scenario. What are we doing? What's the game plan? So maybe I, I think that's actually the next, after the next practice, I think we're going to, we're going to talk about that a little bit, oh, but uh, both of, we're both playing singles uh, this mm-hmm. next event too. So that will be the first match we play. Then we'll be playing our doubles probably the day after. Um, so it will be honestly, it will be nice to be competing again. But I'm I'm really pumped to be playing with Gabby. I, I think um, you know I've always respected her game. She's we've had some tough matches. It's gone both ways uh, against each other. We played each other in doubles and mixed doubles. So I think it's kind of cool that we're we're on the same side now. Mm-hmm. And I saw the Tennis United video, so I know the chemistry's there in advance yeah. as well. And so, again, we will exactly. all look forward to that on court. And I know you are doing Australian Open Countdown, but for all of our listeners out there, what else can they expect for you in the buildup, or I suppose throughout this Australian <laughs> summer? 
I don't know if I could possibly do more social media than I'm doing right now. Um, I actually, I've the last couple of days, I like I haven't posted that much actually because uh, I'm doing things outside. I was like, guys, I'm not even checking my phone right now. So, uh, believe it or not, my life isn't quite all about Insta, even though I love uh, sharing my life with my fans. I think that was a big part of social media for me was it was just a way to connect to people who wanted to follow my process and and get to know me. Um, versus just something that you'd maybe read in a clipping or at a press conference or, you know, in some news article. And that's always been my goal for social media. But I don't let it, I try not to let it consume me a little bit, <laughs> even though Justin is one of those hashtag husbands of Instagram, uh, taking pictures <laughs> everywhere. Uh, but... <laughs> um, but it's all it's all fun. So yeah. I'm, I'm right now, it's really... You're the only media I've done, I'll be oh. honest, in the last few days because, uh, you know, once we got out, I was like, all right, practice schedule, training schedule, recovery schedule, sleep, like eating. Like, it's all been about that right now, getting ready. But I'll, I always do something. So yeah. you will see me. You will see me somewhere. It's no, just uh, right now it's, it's on the court. <laughs> you can see it on my face. You called me media. That's very kind of you. Yeah. I'm, smiling. <laughs> I'm, I'm very flattered. That's and awesome. yeah, again, I saw Justin as a human sit up machine and I was like, God, I could never do that for someone. I was like, so devastated. Had, I was like, listen, 14 day challenge. You could probably do it. I could do the sit ups. I couldn't be the sit up bar. I like I would just I would fall I mean I have bad posture as is and I, I was just like watching this I was like oh my god like what a beast uh I mean you were the real beast obviously but like that goes without saying he, him was it was a surprise to see him in action I think everyone was surprised at how strong he was I was like holy shit I was like, I was like guys he's a lot bigger than me so <laughs> <laughs> like he kind of should <laughs> that's true no you know he is licking the cookie batter before he brings the cookies at the end like you know that's what he's doing as well and obviously uh it is great though content it is so enjoyable and i know i speak for all of us tennis fans we always appreciate everything you do so b dog good luck stay safe stay healthy kick some <laughs> we will talk to you soon yes we'll talk again appreciate it yeah stay safe Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Bethany Maddox-Sands. It is always a pleasure to have B-Dog on the show, and a huge thank you to both her and Justin for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, Obviously, they've got a lot going on as they prepare for the Australian Open, as they prepare to restart their 2021 seasons, and we will be wishing B-Dog and everyone down under safety, health, and, of course, luck as we all look forward to the 2021 season restarting. Of course, if you have missed any of the action, you need to catch up on all all of the pro tennis that has happened, be sure to check out our website, crackedrackets.com, our various podcasts, our YouTube channel, our social media, keeping all of you up to date on all of the happenings in the tennis world. But with that in mind, for our fantastic guest, B-Dog, our wonderful super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.